This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hey, hey, welcome Disability Law Show. Good to have you along once again as we continue on here. Savan Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Samfiru Tamarkin in the driver's seat is always, always available as well. 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Same goes for Martin Willems, who's handling things on the West Coast. And you want to reach out to Martin, same number, same email, one 855 821 5900. You also have the option of exploring mydisabilityquestions.com, another place yet for you to ask questions. It's free, it's anonymous, and you can do that uh, anytime you would like. Guys, lots of stuff to get through today. Questions, answers, emails, uh, a bunch of things. So let's get going for this uh, this hour. Um, interesting article came out in the Atlantic, uh, Savannah. I want to read the basically the first headline and the first line for you and get you to expand. I know you'll want to talk about this. It says, Long COVID could be, quote, a mass deterioration event. A tidal wave of chronic illness could leave millions of people incrementally worse off. That's lovely. Yeah, John, I mean, I, it, no, no surprise, really. Uh, you know, with the last few years with COVID, the whole world is in turmoil uh, economically, psychologically, physically. Mm-hmm. One thing that we, we hear more and more about, I mean, we heard about this early on when people started getting COVID, is that we still don't fully understand the impact of COVID on a person's body. And the one thing I can tell you, just anecdotally myself, I'm sure you guys can also uh, uh, speak to this, is I've known people who had COVID and some people who didn't even know that they had COVID because they had no symptoms and other people who were taken to the hospital, it was so bad. And in, by the same token, it's very tough to know who is going to end up with certain uh, symptoms that are just prolonged over months and maybe years. Yeah. And one of the things that we have been seeing is insurance companies who are not really you know, doing what I think they should be doing, which is acknowledging that there is something there, that some people who are experiencing long COVID, these symptoms, uh, sometimes their headaches, memory loss, uh, other types of loss, loss of smell, other types of things, uh, then in many ways, the, cumula- the cumulative effect of these symptoms is to disable them from working in whatever occupation they're in. And insurance companies, a lot of times, are now denying these kinds of claims for a whole slew of reasons, a whole number of reasons. And I want to remind people that when we're talking about long-term disability, if you cannot do, perform the essential tasks of your own employment for the first two years, then under most LTD policies, you should then be getting LTD. You should be approved for long-term disability. Beyond the two-year mark under most policies, the test changes a bit. It's any occupation. We'll get into that later. We talk about this all the time on every show. But it's really important to understand here that whether you have long COVID, whether you have a psychological illness, whether you have an injury, whether you have Parkinson's or cancer, if you cannot perform the essential tasks of your work, of your occupation, and you have an LTD policy, the insurance company should be approving you. Again, Mm -hmm. it's a case-by-case basis, but the long COVID thing is something that's going to keep coming uh, again and again and again because we are seeing insurance companies resistant to paying. Remember, insurance companies are in the business of making money, so they love to deny claims, and they deny them for a whole bunch of reasons. We are seeing more and more people who are suffering from long COVID and other illnesses as well uh, related to COVID, whether it's psychological, for example, right, anxiety, depression, things like that being denied unjustly and unfairly by long-term disability insurers, and we help these individuals. We help people 
get the money they're owed from these companies. Uh, unfortunately, John, this is something that I think is going to continue. Uh, yep. It's something that it's going to something that we're going to have to continue talking about because many people who get denied long-term disability believe that they have no recourse or believe that the only recourse is to appeal those denials, and that's just not true. Yeah, it's going to be uh, ongoing for sure, and I know you guys will be on top of it uh, every day with uh, with updates as well. Savannah, reaching out to Savannah Martin, by the way, help at disabilityrights.ca and 1-855-821-5900. What else is going on, pal? Uh, John, I want to uh, go to right now an interesting um, uh, scenario here. Uh, I'll okay. call it that, an interesting matter. So uh, we had a gentleman contact us um uh, I, 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 I believe it was last year, I think. No, sorry, it was this year, earlier this year, about his LTD being cut off by his insurance company. Okay, so again, this is the kind of stuff we talk about all the time. We can help people who are cut off or denied long-term disability. And uh, so, so he contacts us, and uh, he, uh, I believe, uh, Martin, I believe he spoke with you. Is that correct, this person? I, I believe there was a consult, but, but before that even happened, uh, he... I think he canceled. He canceled. Okay. So, so he canceled, and uh, he ended up going to another firm. I, I don't know why exactly, um, and and that's okay. Listen, we're not the only firm out there. We, you know, we give this information out. We'd like people to allow us to help them with long-term mm-hmm. disability matters. But we understand also people; it's their choice at the end of the day. But here's the interesting twist: he met with that firm. I don't know which firm that is, and he retained them to help him. And the reason why he's calling us back now, he contacted us again, is because he had concerns with the aggressiveness or assertiveness or the way that they were going to represent him. And he wanted a second opinion. And, and so the question arises, what do we do in that situation? And, you know, more broadly, uh, just speaking about this. And, and listen, I, I want to make sure, and I'm sure Martin's going to agree with me here, we don't want to pressure anyone to do anything they don't want to do. And we're never going to hold this against anybody for choosing yeah. another firm or another, or another, no, another lawyer, another law firm. That's okay. But uh, it goes to the point that I keep making over and over. Martin has as well, and as well as other people on our team that speak on on these radio shows and TV shows, which is that you have to do your homework when you are hiring a lawyer to represent you against an insurance company. You can be blinded by the beautiful billboards. You know, mm-hmm. you can have speak with a lawyer that's going to promise you the moon, that's going to tell you how strong your case is and the insurance company is 100% wrong and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Or, or you can come to us and we will give you the unvarnished truth. If we tell you you have a case, we are going to stand behind your case. We're going to put everything we've got, all our resources, our experience, our collective power and reputation behind you. And insurance companies know us. It's that simple. And sometimes there is a time to be aggressive with an insurance company, and sometimes there is there is a time to use our connections, relationships mm-hmm. with these insurance companies. And I want I want to you know reiterate that we're not doing anything underhanded, we're not skirting the system, but we have built relationships. I can tell you, Martin personally knows many of the lawyers on the other side of these claims who work for insurance companies in BC. I know many of them in Ontario. We know many of them in Alberta. And you can't replace that with somebody that has a shiny billboard that's going to promise you the moon. So we're going to try our best to help this individual here. There is always a bit of complexity when you try to switch from one firm to another, depending on how much work was done by a previous firm. 
We never tell people that you should 100% jump ship because, you know, there are considerations here. But I, this, I, the reason I'm mentioning this is because I want to make sure people understand that when you speak with us, you're going to get exactly what I'm telling you, which is you're going to get the truth. We're going to tell you if you think you have a case. We're going to tell you if you think you don't have a case. Uh, and we're never going to pressure you to do anything. But we mm -hmm. know what we're doing. We've been around. We've been playing this game with insurance companies for a long time. We know how to play it very well. And I can tell you that we score a lot more than the insurance company does. That number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and email directly as well, help at disability rights.ca we got lots to get through email savan we got our three common misconceptions about ltd where do you want to take it uh so there is an email here that i would like uh to get martin's thoughts on um yep. it comes from rob rob writes uh, thank you for your informative programs uh, i have a question that i'm afraid to ask my insurance company should there be consequences to me asking it by the way, this is a very common fear people have, which is why we tell people, contact us. There'll be no consequences except for you knowing more. Uh, so he writes, given the current economic situation and improved stability in my health, am I able to get a part-time job to supplement my disability income without jeopardizing my disability status? What do you think right. about that? Well, th thanks. thanks, Rob, for that question. You know... We always say it goes back to the policy itself. The policy is a contract. So you look at what is the definition for total disability in that contract. If you're still in the first two years, as for most policies, it is, are you able to perform the duties of your own occupation? And then after two years, if it is a two-year own occupation contract, the definition changes to, are you able to perform the duties of any other occupation for which you have the transferable skills? So looking at Rob's question, the first thing that jumps out at me is that he speaks about some stability in his health and the current economic situation, which I'm assuming he means that there's job availability. That's not really the issue, though. The issue is, is Rob able to perform the duties of that, of his own occupation? And then is he able to potentially work in another in a different occupation or going back to his own occupation, working on a part-time basis? Some policies do have provisions that for partial disability. Other policies have provisions that provide for rehab provisions. If you're just going to work without telling the insurance company, that probably is going to work out badly for you. Um, you should have a discussion with your doctor specifically. Get your doctor's go-ahead to see if a gradual return would work and if the doctor is supporting that position. I suppose you would have to tell the insurance company that this is what the plan is. And if it doesn't work out, there is something called a recurrence provision in your policy. And you could probably go back on claim again. Of course, it depends on how long you've gone back to work. But I would be in a discussion with my doctor as the very first thing to see whether my doctor actually supports going back to work even on a gradual basis. The insurance company should be all for that, should they not? Definitely, they'll <laughs> insurance yeah. companies would love for him to go back to work. And you know what? There is something called mitigation. So you you may want to try. I mean, it's a good thing to try and go back to work, but not to the extent that you're working yourself out of a claim again, right? It has to be reasonable, and it has to be done on a step by step basis. Savan, so, do you think this will trigger the insurance company saying, "Oh, well, if that's that doesn't work, well, we're going to find you this job. You're going to go out to this job. We're going to put you in this vocation. Blah blah blah." Will that will that push them to do that? It can very well do that, and I go back yeah. to the way you know, what Rob said at the beginning, which is I'm afraid to ask this. My, you know, this yep. question of my 
company. And he's absolutely right. I can see an adjuster saying, oh, this is interesting. Let's start doing investigation. Let's start sending Rob to, to various experts, you know, to get assessments, IMEs, independent medical assessments, uh, examinations. So, yeah, 100%, you have to be very careful. And even the letters or a letter that your own doctor writes that paves the way for you to try to go back to some kind of a job, that letter has to be very carefully worded because... Again, if you're not successful, the insurance company will seize on the letter. And if the doctor mm-hmm. says you're ready to go back as opposed to you're ready to try to go back, that may hurt you if you're unable to, in fact, work part time. So, yeah, absolutely. There are many nuances here. And, and so, Rob, we can definitely speak off air and make sure that you understand exactly what needs to be done. We'll guide you through this. Don't worry. Rob, nicely done. Here's the number, one 821 5900 You can use that as well. If you want to email like Rob did, you can do so. Help at disabilityrights.ca. First break, lots more to come. Stick around. We'll get right back to it. This is the Disability Law Show. All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. So good to have you along with us today, and you want to reach out anytime outside the show, one 821 5900 Do not hesitate to call Sivan or Martin and just have a chat. There's no obligation. Just get your bearings, learn a little, right, before you make any mistakes for sure. Always make that phone call, and you can email help at disabilityrights.ca. Uh, Sivan, we got an email here from uh, from Catherine, just, just arrived, actually. Interesting. I can read this, and I know you guys both want to have some input in this one what do you say okay she says uh, guys my friend has to meet with a bankruptcy trustee initiated by her denial of ltd due to a pre-existing medical issue should she wait to see you or start that process wow that's that's uh so first of all thank you Catherine, for for writing it uh, on behalf of your friend by the way many people who are listening to this show and watch our program they don't need information for themselves mm-hmm. but it's great get someone else if someone else you know is having difficulty and having questions about long-term disability please put them in touch with us or tell them to come to our website all our shows are there all the questions that they have will be answered now Catherine with respect to your question uh, she should absolutely speak with us uh, first Uh, you know going into bankruptcy can affect the claim Um, it, it depends when it depends um, you know, the nature of it. There are a variety of considerations here. I'm sure Martin can talk about that a bit more as well. But the reality is that anytime you have a question about bankruptcy or resigning from work or, you know, doing work on the side, anything to do in the context of LTD. Remember, she says here that her friend was denied LTD due to a pre-existing medical issue. And as a result of that, she now has to meet with a bankruptcy trustee. I mean, how terrible is that? We've had clients individuals that we represented that have lost their houses, you know, that pretty much were on the street and people with families. This is absolutely horrible. And, and, you know, not only, Catherine, should your friend contact and speak with us before she speak with the trustee, uh, but again, I tell everyone out there, as soon as you are denied your LTD, even before you're denied, if you have concerns, you get in touch with us because maybe we can help. Maybe we can right the ship. The other thing she's saying here is that she's dealing with a denial on the basis of pre-existing medical issues. And we've talked about that before. Martin's talked about that before. Many times these denials are not uh, correct. They're not just. The insurance company has made an error that we can then fight them over. So again, a lot of things here to consider. We need a bit more facts here to understand the full scope of, of what's going on with Catherine's friend. But absolutely, I think it's, it's vital. It's vital for us to speak with her friend before she speaks with a bankruptcy trustee, before she goes down that road. Martin, anything on your end? I agree with everything you just said, Sivan. Uh, I've had 
cases where the person, and it is, this is a horrible circumstance where somebody is forced to take, to go into bankruptcy um, because they're not getting any money because the, their benefits have been denied. And, you know, luckily I can think of a few where family members stepped up and they ended up being able to live with them because if that had not happened, they would have ended up literally homeless. Yeah. So it's a very sad circumstance. And one of them that jumps to mind is we ended up working with the trustee as to how to deal with that component of the person's financial situation because it does impact, as Savan says, it does impact the LTD itself. But it's, it is quite complex. So one has to be looking at all the documents and all the circumstances and have a discussion with the trustee as well. So it is helpful to get us involved to have those discussions. Another thing that I do want to speak about, and Savan has already referenced this, is the pre-existing medical issue. Yes, we've spoken about this so many times. And I, just, I think it's worthwhile mentioning again that the impression out there in the general sphere with the general public and even with doctors, the moment you hear pre-existing medical issue and there's a denial, people will think, well, yes, I had depression way back when, it's pre-existing, therefore yeah. this claim is probably dead. I don't have a claim. That's not how it works. Go back to what I said earlier, there is a policy in place which is a contract. And the word pre-existing or the phrase pre-existing condition is defined in that contract. And quite often, not always, but quite often, we can find a way around that denial because it is purely contractual and we look at the facts and we try to assist people who have had these deni denials. So please do not be discouraged when there is a pre-existing condition denial. Speak to us, let us review the policy, let us review your medical records and the basis for the denial because we will, as Sivana said earlier in the show, we will be upright and forthright with you. If there is a claim, we will tell you that we think that you have a chance to fight this and we will do it with you. Of course, if we think that the insurance company was right, which they sometimes are, uh, we will tell you that. But quite often, there is a way to fight that and that is what we do. So do reach out to us if there is a pre-existing medical issue. Another great email. Uh, Savannah, where do you want to take it? we got so many more to get through with the remaining time. We do. We, we, uh, by the way, just before we get off this topic, uh, one thing I want to mention to people out there who are considering bankruptcy, who've been denied the LTD, uh, if you go to websites where we pose a lot of, um, uh, post a lot, a lot of uh, free information called ltdfaq.ca, yep. uh, ltdfaq.ca, there is a memo there that we've created uh, for anyone in Ontario, Alberta, and BC with respect to government assistance programs. And so at least try those. The other thing to consider is, and I'm not a huge advocate of this, but it does come in handy and I've had clients utilize this. In some extreme situations, when we're telling you, you have a case, but you still need money to survive, there are companies out there who will provide loans. They're called litigation loans. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like them. The percentages are very high. Uh, we have nothing to do with them. I'm just saying that it's a product that's out there specifically in situations where there are cases that are being handled, legal cases like long-term disability, personal injury, etc. And in those circumstances, you can sometimes get some money to allow you to avoid bankruptcy. So again, just some things. These are some of the things that we talk to people about, John, when we have one-on-one -on -one conversations by phone, by Zoom, whatever it is to make sure that we can help people along the way, at least to get them by, uh, you know, to, to give them some breathing room, you know, while yep. we deal with the insurance company and resolve the claim. Again, one 821 5900 that number to reach out, get some clarity. Okay, next up, what do you got? 
Next up, there is a, there's a, a question that was posted on our, on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com. Um, and this one comes from Larry. And Larry writes, I'm working with the insurance company's treatment provider for my disability who says that I am not ready to go back to work. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, my two-year LTD mark will be coming up soon. I was thinking of changing my own treating doctor and read somewhere that this may not look good to the insurance company. Can you please comment on this? So I'll give you some thoughts about this. It's an interesting uh, scenario here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see what Martin thinks. Um, so first of all, what's interesting to me, uh, before I get to his question, is the fact that the insurance company's treatment provider, so this is a situation where, you know how we've talked before, John, uh, I, I say that if uh, you need treatments and the insurance company, your LTD insurance says, hey, listen, John, we've got an amazing clinic here, yeah. amazing treatment practitioners, go to them. I always tell people, hold on. Yep. You know, I'm always suspicious of the clinics that the insurance company is sending you to because why are they sending you to those clinics? Why? Not maybe the clinics are good, maybe people there are great, but there must be a reason for the insurance company to really want you to go to that clinic. We find that uh, many of these treatment providers from these clinics that the insurance company has sent you to, after a while, after they've treated you for a few weeks or a few months, they crank out a report that is favorable to the insurance company that says that you're ready to go back to work, contrary to what the reality is, contrary to the fact that you really cannot go back to work. Uh, So I'm actually, this is interesting that Larry here is saying that the treatment provider for the insurance company or from the clinic that the insurance company sent him to is actually saying he cannot go back to work. Now, he's saying, he's asking, can I change my own treating doctor? that's, I'm not sure why he wants to change. I'm assuming because his treating doctor, uh, in a weird way here, is that he's probably thinking you can go back to work. And the treatment provider uh, from whoever the insurance company sent him to, whichever clinic, is saying the opposite. So it's an interesting situation here. Uh, I don't think that there is a problem with that. I do think that the insurance company... I, okay, let's back up. If the <laughs> treating doctor wrote... Uh, a report or a note saying that he can go back to work and immediately after that Larry changes the treating doctor I think the insurance company may see that as a red flag they may flag that I don't know what they'll do with it necessarily because the treatment provider the person who's providing treatments that the insurance company has arranged for is saying the exact opposite so I, I am there is a concern there now Larry's mentioning the two-year mark he's saying that's coming up soon and, and for any of our newer listeners just to go back to basics here, for the first two years of being a long-term disability, in order to get long-term disability, you have to demonstrate to prove uh, that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. And beyond the two-year mark, the test changes. It's no longer your own occupation, it's any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. And so generally speaking, insurance companies many times cut people off around that two-year mark because they argue that you can do something else that will give you or that will allow you to earn commensurate income. Uh, let's say 60, 65% of your predisability income. So it, it's a tricky uh, question here in my mind, Martin, I don't know what you think about that, but I, you know, unless there is a real reason to switch doctors here, treating doctors, unless he really feels that the treating doctor is not acting in his best interest and is maybe being blasé about the whole thing, I would be I would be a little careful with switching doctors, but again, I think we need to have a little bit more information. But maybe maybe you have other thoughts about this. I feel the same way. You know, we do need more information on this, uh, especially in the context of 
living in BC, and I'm sure it's the same in other provinces as well, in Alberta, etc. I know it is. Uh, it's very difficult to find a treating doctor, a family doctor. I speak to people on a regular basis who tell me that the doc- their doctor is retiring or their doctor is leaving the practice and they cannot find a treating doctor. So I think that there would have to be some compelling reason as to why uh, Larry is considering changing a, a, from one doctor to another. And yes, it, if it is because the doctor is not supportive of the claim, um, or, or meaning supportive that he is still disabled, the question for the insurance company would then be, yes, so you just went out and found a different doctor. So it really depends on the circumstances. But you know what, people people have different opinions ultimately, and he has somebody supporting from the insurance company's treatment perspective that he is unable to work. So maybe Larry could give us a phone call and have a more in-depth discussion as to why he wants to change physicians. Larry, nicely done. We want to uh, to remind you to reach out always with a phone call, and that's for you as well as we get into a, a short break here. Lots more to go, but one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The email for reference every show is help at disabilityrights.ca. As far as any other way to reach out to Sivan or uh, Martin or the rest of their team, mydisabilityquestions.com. Great website, easy to use, free, anonymous. You can ask questions there as well, and they'll get answered uh, rather quickly. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Com. Lots more to go. We'll continue in uh, just a minute. Disability Law Show. Welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along. John Scholes here along with Sam Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, and Martin Willems handling things on the west coast of the uh, of the country as well for the firm. Reaching out to both, one 821 5900 and help at disabilityrights.ca. Up for another email, Sivan. This one's a good one. Go ahead, pal. John, we have an interesting email here. Uh, it's a bit long, but I'm going to try and be succinct. Uh, it, it raises a bunch of issues. I'd like Martin's thoughts on uh, on this one. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it. This comes from Carla, and here's what she writes. Uh, I left you a voice message stating that my insurance company has quite suddenly cut me off benefits. Here's some info that I would like to give you, please. Uh, I've also requested a copy of my LTD policy, but I'm, w- I'm waiting for my caseworker to, to, email, to email it to me. Uh, I started feeling severe pelvic pain uh, in in March of 2018. Due to the pain and inability to sleep, I left work around April 2018. Uh, I work as a financial assistant. I was on short-term disability until October 2018, and then I took some vacation until December. At the end of December 2018, my insurance company started to pay me long-term disability. They accepted my claim. Uh, my disability uh, claim was also accepted by my pension, OMERS, and they waived the monthly dues. And I was accepted by, and I'm still getting paid by CPP disability. I was diagnosed with chronic pelvic by my family doctor and uh, uh, pelvic nerve damage by the neurologist as well. I believe that the chronic pelvic pain is an actual disability with a number. In addition, I have back pain due to, due to severe osteoarthritis, bulging discs, etc. Uh, then she talks about a further diagnos- uh, 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 diagnosis of, of hernias, uh, MRIs, etc. And, and here's what she says at the end. My doctor sent all the relevant specialist reports and a letter stating that I cannot sit or stand long enough due to pain to do my job. My caseworker says that the insurance company believes that I'm in pain, but they feel I can go back to work. Can go back to work. On Friday, June 10th, she called and said that I'm being cut off LTD immediately if I do not go back to work. 
I told her I cannot work and that I will speak to a lawyer. I will be turning 61 in July. Am I eligible to take a reduced, oh, sorry, and am eligible to take a reduced pension? I feel that my insurance company is forcing me to go on pension rather than pay me for four more years because of my uh, illnesses and injuries. Please let me know what I can do. So a lot to unpack here, Martin. What do you think? Well, uh, uh, thank you, Carla. And that's, that's a good question. There are a few things to be said here. Um, the insurance company started to pay Carla back in December of 2018. So that would be for long-term disability. If this is like most other policies, it would mean that Carla is now in what is called the own the any occupation phase because the own occupation phase likely would have ended in December of 2020. So the insurance company has accepted that Carla is disabled for the past few years, not being able to work in any other occupation. She has the support of her doctors. Her condition is getting worse from the sounds of it. She has severe osteoarthritis, which we know is not something that gets better over time. It gets worse over time. So it's a little baffling how suddenly now, after all this time, the insurance company is taking the position that Carla can somehow go back to, and I think she mentioned back to a potentially her own job. The question is, what can Carla do? They've also, you know, pushing her back to work if, and denying her if she doesn't go back to work now. Carla feels she should be taking a reduced pension. This is something that we speak about often. The policy does provide for some offsets, and the policy also provides for termination of benefits with some triggering events. And in some cases, it may be when you take a pension. So this is really something that should be examined and assessed by a lawyer, meaning one of us. We would read the policy to consider how does that affect things? How does that affect entitlement to benefits if Carla were to take pension? But more so, the fact that Carla has, is considering taking a reduced pension doesn't sit well with any of us because she should not be put in that position. She should not have been denied. And the assessment here is Carla has to make contact with us so we can see what we can do with respect to this denial because it sounds wrong. If a, Carla has been disabled and accepted to be disabled, into the any occupation phase. The condition is worsening. She's got the support of various doctors that she cannot work. It is completely baffling why such a claim should be denied. And Carla should not be put in the position where she should now access a reduced pension at the just because the claim has been denied, because she's been put into that financial stressor, which really is unjust. What are your thoughts, Savan? Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I have a few additional points. Uh, that just jump at me. Number one, uh, she was she got a call from the caseworker at the insurance company saying that, uh, you know, this was the threat. You go back to work or we cut you off. Well, think about that for a second. If mm -hmm. she goes back to work against medical advice, she gets cut off anyways because they don't have to pay her because she's getting an income. If she doesn't go back to work, she gets cut off. Either way, the insurance company is not paying her anything. Right. And this is a common tactic by insurance companies to pressure people to go back to work against medical advice. It is completely inappropriate. It is completely unjust. And frankly, it's illegal. They can't do that. Why am I saying it's illegal? Not in the criminal sense, in the sense that we can fight them and force them to pay what they owe her. The second point I wanted to make is that something we see quite often is this idea of accessing pension. I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty. We have discussions amongst our group all the time, our lawyers, about uh, you know, can insurance companies 
get credit for a pension? Can they uh, force you to take a pension, etc.? I think the, the broader question that concerns me that many people out there who either are not familiar with us, don't listen to us, don't believe us, is that they think to themselves, okay, I have no choice but to take the reduced pension. There's just no choice. There's no point taking on this insurance company. And John, you and I have talked about this many, many times. Yep. It's a David and Goliath battle. That's what it looks like. But remember who won the David and Goliath battle. It was That's David. Right. You can take on the insurance company. In fact, it's not you. It's us taking on them uh, them for you. So all you got to do is just get in touch with us, and we'll tell you what can be done to help you. How simple is that? Just this simple, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. Remember that email address and use it. We'll continue a few minutes to go here on the Disability Law Show. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging in there. Disability Law Show here is how it goes, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address. Uh, we've got a good one here as well. Um, uh, Savannah, let's get into it. What do you say? John, let's go to an email that we got from uh, Ryan, and this is an interesting one. Uh, I, I have to tell you the truth. I mean, when I read that, I was taken aback a bit, and, and you'll see why in a second. So Ryan writes, my insurance company, my LTD insurer, is giving me the runaround uh, for my benefits. Uh, by the way, I don't know what that means exactly. I, I'm assuming they've denied this claim or haven't given him a decision. Anyways, mm-hmm. he writes, at work in December of 2020, I had four heart attacks. The last one being the widow maker. Wow. It destroyed my heart. I'm just trying to figure out my rights and I'm willing to hire a lawyer for my case if need be. I have three doctors on my side and two of them are cardiac specialists. All three are agreeing that I'm not to return to work and probably can't for a long while, if ever, due to the condition, uh, my condition and the work environment isn't exactly good. I am a miner and I work underground in very poor conditions. Any mm-hmm. advice? It's good advice at this point. Wow. Look, John, let me, let me tell you this. I, I know more than I would like to about this heart attack that he mentioned, this thing called Widowmaker. A good friend of mine passed away earlier this year from that. My brother is a cardiologist, so I, I got an earful about what that means. This is a massive heart attack. And when he says it destroyed his heart, I believe him because that's why it's called the Widowmaker. Now, this guy has three doctors, two of which are specialists, cardiac specialists. I 100%, without knowing anything else, I believe this guy cannot work. Not just as a minor, probably as anything. Now, I'm not a doctor. I haven't spoken to Ryan, to this gentleman. But just from those facts, I can't imagine how his insurance company is giving him the runaround for long-term disability benefits. I don't know, again, what that means. Does it mean that they're denying his claim? Does it mean that they're asking for more documentation? I don't know. So my take on this is this. if they deny his claim on any basis other than, you know, he's 65 years old and the policy just doesn't pay beyond 65 or something like that, uh, any other basis to me would be invalid. Certainly the most common one that I see, which is you're just not disabled from working. We just don't believe you're disabled. You can go back to work. That's what we usually see. Or you don't have enough supporting documentation. Uh, If that is in fact the reason why he's either denied or that they're simply not giving him a decision months and months and months on end, I would go after them. And and in a case like this, if it's absolutely blatant that they are just playing for time here because maybe they think he's going to die soon, I would go after them not only for what they owe him, but for punitive damages to punish them. Because to me, that is just just travesty. I mean, for an insurance company, 
not to do what they were paid to do, which is to be a safety net in a case like this. Can you imagine, John, getting four heart attacks? I, it's crazy. Oh, my God. So, so I am, I, I'm flabbergasted by what's happening here. And we can 100% help Ryan. We need to get in touch with him, get more facts, understand exactly what is going on, and, and give him direction. Uh, Martin, what, what, what are your thoughts about this? Are you as outraged as I am? <laughs> I believe I am, and I think you've basically said it all, but I will, I will put a bit of a spin on this as well. I have seen cases where, you know, you're thinking, we're going to help this person. Uh, maybe there was some basis for the denial, but maybe the insurance company just didn't under, quite understand the facts. Or maybe, like you sometimes hear, that there is insufficient evidence. This case... I mean, the man works as a miner. It's a physical job. It's underground. And he has had four heart attacks. His heart is, from his description, destroyed. In what universe would he be able to perform those duties? What would he be able to do in any event, in any occupation? I mean, why would there be a runaround here? If the case has been denied, I don't generally... We don't use the phrase punitive damages that often because it's not payable in many claims. But... In some cases, there has to be a punishing component to it and an aggravating for mental distress component to it. So if the facts are that this insurance company is dragging its heels in the face of what appears to be black and white, right? This this is not, oh, I'm not sure if he's disabled or not. This man is disabled. And if they're dragging their heels or if it has been denied, please get in touch with us because we will take this on and this will actually be, you know, I would enjoy working on a thing like this because it is, it's just wrong. It is completely wrong. It is outrageous. And this claim has to be paid immediately, actually. With that, you can reach out as well to uh, to Martin or uh, or Savan for that matter. You can do that email route, help at disabilityrights.ca or 1-855-821-5900. You know, Savan, it seems like they'll, they'll stop at nothing. <laughs> Insurance companies, just the gall. I mean, a massive heart attacks, Widowmaker, his heart's destroyed, but yet, no, 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 no. Not gonna, they're not going forward. I, I, I just don't get it. Sometimes it defies logic. It does defy logic, but there is no logic. The only logic is that insurance companies have a lot of money and they lobby the government and there's not enough regulation over time. It really, at the end of the day, I know it sounds self-serving, but it's up to the lawyers to regulate, not to regulate, but to offer them. Because who else is going to make them pay? Who else? I mean, this individual, he needs help. We're going to help him. But it's not uncommon. I mean, the kind of things that we see, John, we just touch the surface when we do these shows. It's crazy what we see, and it's crazy how insurance companies think that they can get away with this. one 821 5900 guys, is the number. Use it if uh, you're in peril in this sort of nature, dealing with insurance companies. It's going to be confusing. You're going to be overwhelmed, so make that phone call. Get some balance. Help at disabilityrights.ca. I think we still got a, a couple minutes left, guys. Where do you want to go? Uh, John, I, I want to go to an email here uh, that uh, is also quite interesting, and I want to get Martin's thoughts on this before we end the show. So here's what he writes. I've been on LTD from my job as a uh, truck driver for about a year now. My doctors filled out forms saying I will never be able to go back to work. I'm not medically fit to pass physical that is required as well as not physically able to sit or stand for even short periods of time. Uh, I can't sleep, not comfortable. I have degenerative disc disease in my neck and my back. I got osteoarthritis, etc. Uh, my concern is I don't fully understand this process of LTD and I'm afraid to ask questions of the insurance company because I don't want them to get the wrong idea. I'm only 42 years old and my coverage goes till age 65, so I assume that I'm not someone they particularly enjoy having on their books. 
My next assumption here is that eventually they're going to try and say that I can do some kind of work, especially since I had bariatric surgery to help with my pain. Or they may offer a buyout option or something like that. So this brings me to you. It seems logical to know what to expect and process before they try and screw me over. Those are his words. Okay? Wow. <laughs> uh, so he's done the right thing by reaching out to us because we can help him. And, and frankly, my thoughts are, Martin, I'll, I'll you know, ask you for yours in just two seconds. He's 42, year old, uh, 42 years old. His doctor says he won't be able to go back to work. For sure, they're going to try and cut him off or find an excuse to end his benefits early. So it's absolutely right for him to get information now, how to navigate the system. We can help him with that and at least prepare him for the eventuality of what is going to be a very unpleasant experience, but at least he'll be prepared for it and we'll be there to help him. Martin? Good advice. Uh, this gentleman is 42 years old. He is in the first year of being paid LTD benefits. So in a year from now, if it's like most policies, the definition is going to change from own occupation to any occupation. And as we see in so many cases, the insurance company very likely will be starting to prepare for that by potentially putting him through some rehab, starting to look at what other occupations he can be employed in. And having degenerative disc disease, osteoarthritis, etc., cannot sit or stand for long periods of time. My assumption is going to be they're going to try and do some form of work hardening, which they is a phrase that they often use to get the person to be able to sit for a longer period of time, for example, and then put them into some desk job. Mm. So things that I can come up that I can see coming up would be there's going to be some transferable skills assessment where they're going to suggest that he can work in another occupation or even his own occupation closer to the change of definition. So yes, this is a good time to reach out to us. We can guide you through that process. And if there is a suggestion that you start being involved in rehab, suggested by the insurance company, get the doctor on board. If the doctor is not on board with that, then there's gonna be a fight there as well. But be in touch with us because we will guide you through this process. Thanks for reaching out, by the way. Guys, ton to digest on the show today. So if you want to reach out uh, with these matters or something has piqued your interest or something come about in your thoughts, you want to ask either Sivan or Martin, you can do so. They got an entire team behind them that can help out as well. Do not hesitate to make that phone call, right? one 821 5900 Email address is You can ask questions at mydisabilityquestions.com. And notes about LTD. Really simple to use. It's like Lego. It's very basic to navigate ltdfaq.ca. You can do that anytime as well. And we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.